everybody. Uh, here's another episode of Parenting Today. Kurt and I are continuing our discussion on screen time. We, we talk a little bit about musical taste at the beginning again. Kurt keeps making fun of me, so hopefully you enjoy that banter. We also share some cultural artifacts, really about two cultural icons. Uh, so stay tuned at the end of the episode. We will get to those. Also check out our website. If you're a youth worker or a parent in a church, be sure to sign up for our summer youth conferences at rym.org conferences. Many of those have filled up, so be sure to get your group signed up. Here's Joe Deegan playing, and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, guys, we're back. Welcome to Parenting Today. Uh, last Tuesday, John, we were talking about screen time. We're going to continue that conversation today. I guess I should say, hello, John. What? Hey, Kurt. What happened? I'm just laughing. We, Kurt and I, right before we started this, we were con- continuing our discussion on music, and uh, he's just making fun of me for, <laughs> for liking Led Zeppelin. And we're not going to get into that again. It was just... I could not, making, not that's, that's, I, I could not contain not myself. Because... I did not make fun of you for liking Led Zeppelin. I made fun of you for saying that Le, that Led Zeppelin is a better song than Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, I'm not. That's I'm it. not even saying yeah that. Anyway, let's not get back into that. It was just as you were bringing us in, you were not making eye contact with me, and I thought you had a sm- slight smirk, and that just made me start laughing. I couldn't. I couldn't contain it. So that, <laughs> that's why I was laughing when you looked mm-hmm. up at me. I try not to look at you when we do those openings yeah. because. You're probably going to try to do something to make me laugh. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Kurt, look, it was, uh, yeah, I think helpful to have this discussion. I mean, this is an ongoing discussion. I know in, in some ways people can feel like we, we've had a similar discussion to this before. I know we've talked about social media and we're <laughs> specifically not getting into social media as detailed because, you know, we did talk about that in the first season and we're actually going to have Richie Sessions uh, back on with us or not back on with us, but with us um, several weeks from now. I think it's going to be more in in May when we can do that um, to talk more specifically about social media. But I'm saying all that to say this is an important discussion. It's an ongoing discussion. And as we said, this is still a new technology. And so it will be interesting to see when more and more research does come out. And um, yeah, it just gives us some concerns. But but like we said uh, on Tuesday when we closed out, these kind of discussions can make parents very worried, very concerned. They can feel guilt over how much they've given, you know, free access or just free reign to um, smartphones. And so, you know, Kurt and I, as parents speaking, uh, parents often are dealing with guilt and worry. And, you know, am I (coughs) giving my children a well-balanced diet? Are they getting enough exercise? Am I giving them enough attention? Am I reading to them enough? Are they getting enough sleep? All of these thoughts. And so we, uh, you know, this podcast, we're not wanting to just – amp up the concern and the worry uh, to those who, who listen, um, but also to, to sober to the realities that we should have some discipline in this area and we should be passing that on to our children. I mean, that, that's one of the ways I think as we start to get into redemption, Kurt, one of the first things I think we have to address is the parents' habits. Um, obviously, we're, mm. we're modeling this to our children. Our children are, are watching us and they, I mean, it's, it's scary to think of just all the things we model to our children and all the things that they, they pick up from mannerisms to language to all sorts of things. Um, but then, and they pick it up. They pick it up at a much younger age than we realize. Yeah. They're picking it up. 
I, I remember you were talking about this. You were teaching this class at um, RYM's Nashville Youth Leader Training, and we were talking about, uh, I think at the end of the class, how I'd read some study that um, that even like toddlers, like younger than two years old, that they can recognize when their parents are paying attention to their phone and not to the child. And the child will start to, they, they could track the child's eye movements and where they were looking and the child will start to address the phone or see right, whatever's happening here is important and start looking at the phone just like their parents do. Like, and they pick that up. That's before they can even like form like two word sentences. Hmm. Um, and so it's happening. It's they're paying attention to us far more than we realize. Mm-hmm. I, I think, to frame this discussion, John, I think it's helpful for us to think about it like on a spectrum. Like you have some parents who are going to I mean, if you're listening to a parenting podcast, you're probably not in this group, but maybe you are. There are some parents who say, look, this is where the world is going and we're just going to go with the flow. Like it's not the these are the, you know, the tax collectors, uh, the Jewish tax collectors. They're like, look, you know, it's not great. The Romans are here, but we got to make it work somehow. And so I'm just going to work within this system and. You know, it's just kind of a laissez-faire kind of idea about parenting. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have like the people who are like, who listen to this podcast or, or, or read a book about this. And then they come home and they're like, sell the car. We're Amish now. You know what I mean? Like, the, uh, the, uh, you know, and they're like, they go the extreme opposite way. And they're like, we're going to live as if it's 1950, you know, in 2019. And, you know, neither one of those are good uh, <laughs> modes of of living. They're both impossible to do um, well. You're, you're going to get carried away with the tide, right? Or you're going to be so removed from the tide that you have no impact on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so either way, it's a problem. And so what we're talking about really is how to navigate between those two extremes, mm-hmm. right, John? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we obviously have got to We've got to accept some of what screens bring us, but we also have to reject some. Mm-hmm. And, you know, finding that balance is going to be um, difficult to do. Yeah. But we need to do it all the same. Yeah. And as we, we throw out the language of addiction, you know, we know there's a spectrum there for, for sure. And so we want to be cautious even talking about that. But like you said, Kurt, I mean, behavioral addictions are something that are just very common and very strong. And, and I do kind of in light of that, I, I like how Ed Welch defines addiction that addiction is ultimately a worship disorder. And so in this conversation, I would think that definition would apply. I'm not saying across the board to all addictions, but um, that it's a worship disorder. And so as we're, we're thinking about, okay, if we have you know this in our being to, to worship someone or something, it's not you know the question of um, will you worship, it's what will you worship. And so if we realize, okay, Smartphones definitely have that ability to become that idol that we worship, as we talked about on on Tuesday. Then it's smart, it's wise, it's biblical for us to take steps uh, to keep this thing from, you know, becoming enthroned in our heart. I mean, Christ clearly says we cannot worship two masters. And so, you know, just maybe removing this conversation from smartphones and just talk about, you know, our eating habits, dessert, um, whatever it is, uh, to, to say, okay, look, um, this can be- become an idol in my life, so 
all right, I'm only going to have dessert on the weekends, or I'm going to take some steps to not always feel like I have to have dessert. Or, you know, the television, as we've talked about before, it can be great to sit down and watch a movie with, um, with someone or to, you know, watch several episodes on Netflix. But if you're doing that every single night, that's not a good thing. So taking some steps to say, okay, look, tonight we're going to sit down, we're going to have face-to-face conversation. And so in a similar way, you know, with our smartphones, uh, Kurt's laughing at me as I said that. So in a similar way, we've got to be saying, okay, look, well, we're going to put the smartphones away on this night, or we're just going to get away from these devices and make sure they're not becoming idle. So I think that's just one mm. practical step to guard from idolatry. You've got to exercise some discipline over whatever the thing is. In this case, we're talking about smartphones, but to say we're not going to let it uh, just dominate our lives. Yeah, I think there's some really simple steps that people can take to to lower their screen time. And it's not, they're not as drastic as people think. Like for instance, you can just turn off notifications. Like you, you can just turn them off. Like that, that, that's a really simple thing that you can do. It's not, it's not difficult to do. Um, you can turn off push notifications for almost everything on your phone. Um, I, can you turn them off for text? I've never tried to turn them off for text, but I've, I've, I haven't turned off for a lot of other things, but you can just turn, you can just turn those things off. You can do things like say, okay, we're just going to charge our phones in the kitchen and we're not going to have our phones in our bedroom. All right. And just those two things will, will do a lot for you. I mean, those are two really simple things. I mean, I don't think it's wise to let your children have their phones in their bedroom anyway. Um, and I think it's great for parents to model that by doing that themselves Mm -hmm. as well. But like, you know, just use your regular alarm clock. Your phone will not be the last thing you touch at night. And the first thing you touch in the morning if you have an alarm clock and it's not in your bedroom. Yeah, that's a good point, Kurt. And Kurt, I want to throw this back at you, just playing devil's advocate a little bit. Um, Okay. Even, you know, we we try to silence our phones. We we don't put them in our bedroom. I know there are people out there that think, well, what if there's an emergency and someone needs to get in touch with Mm. you? How how have you dealt with that in your home? I mean, even do you have a landline? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some thoughts there? Mm. Yeah, so I don't have a landline. And should you explain what a landline is to people that we know that? So in olden times, <laughs> um, yeah, I remember um, being in seminary and Marty and I decided not to have a landline and my parents were like, what? Well, how will we call you? I said the same way you've always called me on my cell phone. She's okay. like, well, what if there's an emergency and you need to call 911? I was like, I'll use my cell phone. And, you know, but were they you, were just were like, your numbers be in the phone book? <laughs> What's a yeah. phone book? Yeah, a phone book. <laughs> a phone book is a great thing. Remember when you used to get the phone book? Do you, do you guys get a phone book? No. We don't get one no, anymore. No. I guess we're not phone customers. I, do they only give them to customers? I don't know. But, um, yeah, phone book. Yeah, I remember when the power team would come and some guy, some really <laughs> strong guy, would rip the phone book in half. And we'd be like, he ripped the phone book in half. Okay, so look, <laughs> we, we just had a, this is a ridiculous tangent. The power team, okay, I, yeah, you can help me on this. These were really strong Christian guys who would come and like do evangelism at a church. This is, but also I used like to be a part of the power team. <laughs> so, that's what I did before I was a youth minister. I was part of the power team. So anyway, they would... They would lay me on a bed of nails, and then I would bench press. It was really impressive. No, anyway, this was a real thing. So just to explain that, because there are many people out thing. there who have no idea what the power team is. But yeah, these were super. These were Christians who were like former or current bodybuilders who would come and they would share the gospel. And they would also rip phone books in half. <laughs> 
and they would like do really strong stuff that strong people do. So anyway, I say they as if I wasn't an important member of the team, but whatever. Um, so yeah, all that to say is that, um, it could be that you can't do that. It could be that you can't get your phone. You can't take your phone in your bedroom. And it's because maybe you're, you are, for whatever reason, you have to be contacted. You know, I think about what I think about is like a doctor on call um, situation, right? So if you're a doctor and you're on call, this obviously doesn't apply to you. Most people don't need, most people do not need to be contacted at night in emergency. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, I can't, (laughs) I don't know the last time that I, I don't know if I've ever been called past 11 at night in my life. Um, not since I've lived in Montgomery, not in my seven years, not, not saying that it won't happen, but I mean, in seven years, that's what's seven times 356. That's, you know, almost 2,500 nights of, of living in Montgomery and I've never needed to have my phone by my bedside. And and that's not, you know, the past doesn't predict the future, but all that to say is that, um, that, that seems like a pretty flimsy reason to keep your phone by your bedside. Yeah. If you really, you know, if you really think about it, if, if, if you don't have a special case like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think kind of digging down into that argument a little bit, you know, it is motivated by fear, worry, anxiety. Um, and, and again, at the same time, there, there could be just some, some good concern and caution. Um, so I don't want to just belittle it. I want to be cautious, but I do also want us to, to, to be reminded. And I know this can just be like a throwaway line, but, but God being sovereign and God's Mm. sovereignty that I think, you know, some of our phones have trained us to think that we're in control of a lot more than we really are. And that we're, (laughs) we're, we're, we're also able to guard from, um, all sorts of, uh, crises and tragedies and things from happening by just having this device with us that makes us, I mean, goodness, all the incurred, I know you can speak to this being in youth ministry, just the fear of so many parents wanting to be in touch with their child 24 seven, that that gave this notion that they could keep their children safe and that they were in control when in actuality, they are not at all. And so our I phones have fostered this. I try to remind my students all the time how little of their life they choose, uh, you know, that they don't choose their height, their eye color, their hair color, their skin color, their name, their parents, where they grew up, the town. They, they don't even choose the clothes that they wear. You know, uh, there's, you know, the clothes that are in their closet are actually determined by a lot of different people besides them. And there's a great line in uh, the movie, The Devil Wears Prada, about that. Um, there's a great scene, uh, the blue, the the blue uh, sweater scene is amazing. But all that to say is that we trick ourselves into thinking that if we're not available, that bad things can happen. And what's behind that is, is that I can prevent bad things from happening. My, my, and that might be the case in an infinitesimal amount of situations. But, you know, like I said, if you're a doctor and you're on call, you know, you need to be there to do the emergency surgery. So that's different. But that's not the case for most people. I remember talking to a mom uh, and she was looking at her phone and I said, what are you doing? And she said, uh, one of her, her child was uh, <laughs> a freshman in Auburn 
and she was like, oh, I'm just checking to see if, uh, he's, if he's going to class or not. And, uh, you know, uh, uh well, she there's a lot the location of his phone to know if he's in his yeah. dorm room or what. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, wow. She was. And, um, and, uh, you know, she was like, you know, he sometimes he just forgets things as to check up on him. And, you know, I didn't say anything at the time, but I thought, man, there's a lot behind that. Right. Um, you know, one that that child needs to fail a little bit um, on their own. Like <laughs> you can't do college for them. Um, you really can't do high schoolers. You know how for them either, although a lot of parents do try to do that. But um, but also this idea that um that somehow our children are safer because we know where they are, you know, or that's the, it's, it's a false idea. Um, it's a false comfort. Um, it's a false comfort. Um, we could talk more about this, Mm -hmm. but we probably need to move on. Um, what can we talk, can we talk practically about a couple of other things that people can do? Absolutely. I was thinking it'd be good to kind of walk through some of those. I mean, something that we said, and then I'll I'll throw it back to you because it looked like you had some Kurt. Okay. Um, no phones in the bedroom. That seems like a, a good idea. I mean, especially for teenagers and we won't go into just all the specifics of that. I think, you know, as teenagers get older, give them some more freedoms as you're training them to leave the house, to go to college and maybe have some more freedoms of, of having it in their room. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, no phones in the bedroom, adults, um, as well, get an alarm clock. That's a, that's a great step. Um, just cutting back on this addiction. So having those boundaries, maybe having, you know, sometimes and during the, you know, I know, um, TechWise family, Andy Crouch says one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year where they do no phones at all, just kind of getting away from that technology as a good, a freeing thing. I, I remember one, t- one waking, one waking hour a day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. an important thing because yeah. most of us do, you know, you know, the, the closet idolater who wants to defend himself will be like, sure. I, I don't look at my phone for seven hours every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when I'm asleep or, you know, or six hours or eight hours or however long it is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, one waking hour a day. I, th- I the tech wise family is a pretty good book too. I, I was going to say one thing that you can do is leave your phone out of sight. Um, leave your phone out of sight. Uh, there was a study that was done about conversation and the depth of conversation and the meaningfulness of conversation where they, they did, uh, they had the respondents, um, silence their phones and turn their phones like where they wouldn't vibrate or anything. Um, and, uh, for half the respondents, they had them, the two people, two strangers just sit down and talk at a table with their phones in another room. And with the other half, they had the, the same two people talk, but they just had their phones turned off completely, but face down on the table, both their phones face down on the table and turned off. All right. And they found that even in that instance, when the phones were on the table, the conversation went, was more awkward, went, went, did not go as long or as deep or, and the conversation wasn't as meaningful. And so when we have our phone out, when it's out, even when we're not looking at it, when it's out, what we are saying to anyone that we're talking to is this, is that you're important to me right now, but you're not, but I'm important. And you might, there might be something I need to leave you for. There might be something that's really, you know, that's more important than you. So I'm here, but I'm kind of not here too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's important to to hide our phones. I, you know, I, I, the last two mornings, not this morning, but the last two mornings I had one-on-ones with, um, with, I met two different boys for breakfast and, in both of them, I took my phone and I put it in the chair um, beside me 
in where I couldn't even feel it right in, in the chair beside me and face down and just push the chair under the uh, um, the table so that I wouldn't see it. I, I actually had to remind myself to do. It. I was like, "This will be good. Um, I won't be tempted to look at my phone." Um, and <laughs> and it's something that I have to remind myself to do. I'm not naturally good at it, but the more that we do that, the more that we say to the people that we're with, "You are what matters to me right mm-hmm. now." Yeah. Um, so. That's just a really simple thing. Yeah, Kurt, this is good. You're, you're bringing this up. And, you know, as we're having this conversation and we know parents are out there, we know youth workers are listening to this out there. And, you know, there are youth workers, obviously, that are our parents, but those who are discipling students. I mean, there there is a lot of responsibility on the youth worker to model this to their, to their students, to, to be cautious of just their use of technology of you know always getting on social media to liking things sharing things all the time that there's got to be some discipline modeled on this and and Kurt you know as we're giving ideas I mean uh, I think this goes without saying but just saying it I mean one we don't have this all figured out and we're not trying to say, Hey, we're we're doing this and this is what everyone else needs to do. And there are plenty of times where we lack discipline in this, but these have been some things that have been helpful. And so I'm sharing this. Did you want to jump in just to reiterate that? I was just going to say most of the things that I'm sharing are things that I'm trying to do, not things that I've mastered. Yes. Yeah. All right. Like, cause I read all these books about it and I naturally wanted to move to the, we're Amish now. That's my (laughs) personality situation. But you know, Within reason, I'm, these are things that I'm trying to do. Yes, yeah, so. um, not things that I've that I that somehow I've I've figured out. I would say another really good tip for parents is um, that car time is conversation time. That's straight from um, the TechWise family, but I think that's a really good uh, rule to have. You know, I drive my kindergartner to school, and uh, you know when we're in uh, when we're driving to school, and but especially after I've dropped him off. I pass a lot of parents um, going to all these different schools that are right around here. Um, and I noticed that if they have, you know, teens or tweens in there in the front seat, almost always that student is just staring at their phone. And, you know, you take your student to school. I don't know how many how many days are in a school year, John. A lot, um, a lot of days, uh, five days a week for nine months, I guess. And um, and you uh you take your your uh, your student to school, and you know those minutes add up. Mm-hmm. Um, those minutes really add up. You just think about it, like you probably have like a vacation's worth, you know, a two week vacation's worth of time with your student in the car. And it's a you know it's a good rule to be like, hey, we're just not going to look at our phones mm-hmm. in the car. Uh, we're going to you know talk to the driver. You know, we're going to talk to each other about whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be. Every conversation doesn't have to be like deep and meaningful. Uh, it can just be about what happened mm-hmm. that day, or you know, whatever. But, but uh, uh, we want to want to save that time. Yeah, and, and along yeah. those lines, Kurt. I mean, just think if a portion of that conversation or that time was prayer or talking about struggles, talking about sin, talking about mm. spiritual issues, just a portion of that. Not saying, oh, you've got to memorize scripture all the time and you've got to always kind of be singing yeah. hymns, but just think of the impact over years of that in a, in a student's life. And of course, we're ready to do that too. And not only is that a really good point, John, but also like you're ne- that's never going to happen if you're not spending that that quantity of time with them. And we've, this is something we've talked about before, but there is no such thing as quality versus quantity time. If you don't do quantity time, you will never have quality time. The quantity time begets quality time. I know, uh, and that's not my own opinion. That's opinion that I've heard from 
from other parents, um, regretfully, who have said, you know, I tried to do, you know, quality time versus quantity time. I was a busy person. I was a, a successful businessman or, you know, whatever. And, you know, so I said with my kids, I, I'm going to do quality time. When we're together, I'm going to be all in and we're going to be together because I can't do quantity time. And this dad said to me, that's a lie. He said, that's a lie. I said, if you don't do the quantity, you can't have the quality. And so it's so that's what I tell parents about um, youth group, too, is I say, don't send your kid to youth group like two or three weeks out of, you know, uh, a semester and be like, well, hopefully that was spiritually impactful. It's the cumulative effect of those things that really, you know, you know, and so you're not going to have these deep, meaningful, like spiritual conversations with your student, you know, the very first time that you say, well, no phones in the car, we're just going to talk. But if you over time, over weeks, months and years of doing that, you're what you're doing is you're creating an environment where those things can happen. You're you are watering the ground and giving it light and giving it, you know, you're 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 creating a healthy environment for real conversation to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Kurt, I think too, as you said, you know, it might not be easy uh, at the beginning. Like if there are those parents out there listening <laughs> to this and they've just, you know, put their devices in the kids' phones since they've been young and now they're thinking, okay, well maybe we should start pulling back. And yes, there's going to be some battle. There's going to be some struggle. I mean, something that's been helpful for us. And, and I do think as, as Christians, we, we must be discipling this next generation to be readers. Um, we've said things like this plenty of times on this podcast, but God chose to reveal himself through a book. God created through words. Jesus Christ calls himself the living word. So words are vitally significant. And discipling our children to be readers, giving them physical books. Um, what, what we have done, this, this started early with with our oldest child, Sarah, who's going to be 12 You know, in, in June. Um, we would go on Tuesdays, we would go to the local library and they would have a reading. And it was so interesting to see kids just so into that. But as we've gone through the years and we don't do this consistently anymore, when we go to the library, I mean, on the way there, our kids could be screaming. It's crazy. We're trying to get them calm. They get books and then it is silence in the car on the way home. And so the parents that think a device is the only thing that can silence your children, look, put a book in their hand. I mean, it has just been so awesome and encouraging to see. Like our kids love books and, and that, that is something you do have to disciple and it can be a challenge. And look, at the same time, when we turn on a movie, our kids are zombies. I mean, the house could be burning down and they just love screens too. So we've got to balance that. And we do, I mean, look, we do allow them to have screens. We've got a Nintendo Switch, which is awesome at the house. We enjoy that. Um, but, Sweet. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, putting books in their hands and knowing that books can also be a good thing that, that actually allows you to have conversation with other adults in the room. It doesn't just have to be a device. Well, yeah, I was about to say, let's use, use our devices and use uh, these things as a springboard to conversation instead of letting them drown out conversation. So one thing that I like to do is um, I like, I'm, I'm like trying to subtly curate my, I know that we're going to get back to musical taste here. So I, I realize we're headed back to where we began, I'm, but I'm not going to, I'm not, that's fine. It's fine. I'm trying to affect my son's musical taste by playing different songs in the car um, to like expose him to things. And like, I, I will tell you that yesterday, so I was, it was just me and my son because my wife and my younger son were out of town yesterday. We're driving in the car and um, 
I had set it up so that some Stevie Wonder was playing in the car. Nice. Right. Um, and I know it's pretty good. And I said, Campbell, you know, I turned the music down just a little bit. And I said, Campbell, I said, can I tell you something about the guy who sang this song? And he said, um, I said, sure. And he said, sure. And I said, do you know that he's blind? And he was like, what? And I was like, he can't see. I was like, he's completely blind. And um, he said, what happened to him? And I said, well, I think I, I didn't know the story of Stevie Wonder. Um, I started getting mixed up with Ray Charles, but I, um, I think Stevie Wonder was born blind. So I'm pretty sure. Um, I said, I don't think he could ever see, but then he was like, but he can still play the piano. And I was like, yes, he can play the piano and other instruments too. And he's a really good singer. I was like, isn't it cool that, you know, even though he has this, you know, I explained to him what a disability was. I was like, even though he has this thing that holds him back, like he's still awesome at this. Imagine how awesome he is. He can't see and he's still so good. And so we started talking about that. And I was like, would you like to hear someone else who's blind, who can sing really well? And he was like, yeah. I was like, all right. And so on the way home from church, I was like, I'm gonna let you listen to Ray Charles. You know, I was like this, you know, and so we had a whole conversation about, and um, he said, well, what happened to him? And I was like, well, he did lose his sight, you know, and they knew that he was going to lose his sight. And so we just talked about that. And it, it was, it was, he asked a lot of questions about, um, I think one of them was like, was he going to lose his sight? My son was like, am I, am I going to go blind? I was like, probably not. I was like, Pro- probably not. Was, you know, I can't hundred percent guarantee it, but more than likely not. I was like, but we, we just had this conversation about like how people maybe, you know, they can't do one thing, but there's another thing they can do that's really amazing. Um, and, you know, so using and that was like I did not like plan all of that. That just kind of happened. You know, like I was, um, I, you know, but it was an opportunity for me to talk with my son in the car instead of us just riding in silence mm-hmm. or um, him, you know doing whatever and so, yeah. and something i've discovered too which that's that's gert that's good that's gert i was gonna say that's gert gert kurt is that my cousin <laughs> um that's good kurt that's what i meant to say uh, because that's, Man, you are good at this podcast that's, um, honestly while you're talking i'm like i need another <laughs> cup of coffee this morning um <laughs> But that was, I was listening to your story just to, to let you no. know. But that that is a no. seriously nope. a a good practical illustration of just the conversations you can have in the <laughs> car. And because something kind of along those lines is, I've been interested in how um, excited my kids get to hear stories about my childhood, like just stories mm. from friends, just funny things that have happened. And I mean, oh. we'll get to the dinner table and they're like, tell the one again about the smoke bomb or whatever. <laughs> like I just told that one like last night and you know, but they just want to hear it. And it is just, you have a captivated audience. And so even just parents thinking, okay, <laughs> what are some of the funniest moments you had in your childhood and just share those with your children. And it's just like they, and of course we know stories resonate with us. We're created for stories. And so just yeah, saying that, but, but also going, you know, kind of along the same lines of, you know, reading actual books, children holding books. And yes, e-readers can be helpful, but I do think studies are showing that the reading that your children do with an e-reader actually doesn't develop, you know, typically I know the studies are, are still, you know, not conclusive in all of this, but it's kind of, um, an, an F pattern is what a lot of the studies have shown that they kind of read the first line and they kind of scroll scan down a little bit and then part way across and then scan down. So they're kind of scanning more than just when they're actually holding a book, but, but something on mm-hmm. those lines. And I know we need to start wrapping this up is, is actually having your children write with a, you know, a pen and a piece of paper. Um, you know, it's, it's, oh, if, yeah. you, if you just, 
Google that because again, so many schools are, are having computers and screens and, and things like that. I mean, you know, not even getting into the theology necessarily, which is impossible ultimately to separate theology, but um, you know, the MRIs are showing that when you actually use a physical pen and piece of paper, that you're using portions of your brain that do not get utilized in other ways mm. and creativity can happen and all of these things. So kind of just, again, teaching our children to actually use their hands, not just swiping at screens, touching screens, but using their hands to not only read books, turn pages, but also writing, drawing, things like that. It's just um, stewarding the mind that God's given them. So that's just kind of one last thing I wanted to throw in before we get into cultural artifacts. Kurt, anything else you want to say? Mm. Or, or, no, I or do if, have a if Gert wants to add anything, he could too. No, I um, I hope that uh, I know you're going to do this, John. And thank you for doing it. But I think we'll have all these the books that we've mentioned um, in the links for this podcast. I would highly recommend several of these books that we've mentioned. Um, my cultural artifact for today is that I just found out. Uh, this is uh, let's say today is. March 7th, when we're recording this, I don't know when it will air, but I just found out that Alex Trebek, the longtime host of Jeopardy, has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Wow. Um, And he announced it himself on Jeopardy's uh, social media accounts, a video uh, where he said he didn't want anyone else to know. And he said that he is, you know, that the survival is not encouraging the stop from viral rate for this is not encouraging that he's going to fight and he even said i kind of have to because i have to host this show for at least three more years according to my contract (laughs) (laughs) so um but uh man uh a cultural icon Mm -hmm. okay um and i know that probably not a lot of our students pay attention to jeopardy but i bet a lot of their parents still remember when jeopardy was a big deal Mm -hmm. um and to hear him i would encourage anyone to go find that video and watch him uh talk about it he mentions faith two times he asked for prayer wow um and uh do you know anything about his profession i don't okay i don't i don't but i you know uh I, i don't know uh what where he stands um as far as his faith is concerned but um uh, anyway, just, uh, some really hard news. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there are probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast who know someone who's struggling with cancer or struggling with some kind of really difficult diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of them in our church, um, people who are finding out for the first time getting that, that tough diagnosis. But, um, I think it was encouraging to hear him, uh, if you see this video, to hear him talk about the fact that he's going to fight it, even though he knows the prognosis is bad. And that, um, and that he believes that he can beat it, and that he require that he he asks for everyone's um, love and prayer um, and support. And so, anyway, that's my cultural artifact for the day. Wow. Well, it's interesting because I do have a cultural artifact that also is is dealing with a an icon, not to the level of you know Alex Trebek. Um, and, and both of these cultural artifacts are, are fairly sobering. Um, they're not lighthearted. Um, before I, I did get to that, I, I thought of this, and I did just want to say this before we close this out. I know you just shared something fairly serious, and this is a little more lighthearted. I'm not joking on this, Kurt. I think it was Monday of this week, Bohemian Rhapsody came on Spotify, and my daughter 
was hating it and mocking it and covering your ears. And I said, this is an excellent song. You need to listen to it. This is such a classic. So just to kind of go back, because I know we've been joking this whole time of Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Queen. I think they're awesome. And that's a good song. So I wanted to say that and <laughs> okay. get it on the record. Um, so you know that, but okay. okay, here's, here's my cultural artifact. Okay. Kurt, do you know who Ahmad Best is? Don't. I don't. Okay. Um, I guarantee, you know, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, is he the voice of Jar Jar Binks? He, well, he, yeah, he's the voice slash, you know, he was in a green suit um, when they yeah. created it. So um, I don't know how, but a video on YouTube showed up um, about Ahmad Best um, almost committing suicide. Um, this mm. was several years ago. I think he was 24 when he was notified that he would be George R. Binks and just thought this was amazing. And, you know, George Lucas was directing him. And I think mm-hmm. 26, maybe he was 26 when the movie came out. And he was, wow. he was just destroyed, obviously, because so mm. many people hated George Everyone R. Binks. Everyone hated that yeah, character. Mocked George yeah. R. Binks. And um, there's a video. Uh, okay, do you know the, the, the YouTube channel Soul Pancake? Okay, I, I, I know nothing about it, and I don't mean to mock it if it's serious. That's a terrible name, Soul Pancake. I don't, I don't know what all they, they put out, so I'm sorry. We almost named parenting today Soul <laughs> it was Pancake. That close. I'm glad we did. That close. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> they, they put out you know various videos. I haven't done a lot of digging on Soul Pancake, but if you go to YouTube, <laughs> and again, we'll link on this. It's the, the title is That Moment I Opened Up About Suicide. Well, Ahmad Best, obviously, I mean, he's um, – how long ago did uh, – that come out it's been almost 20 years right and so he's he's older now he has a son and you know he he shares the story of almost jumping off the brooklyn bridge um and ending it and uh anyway it's now the the video is uh, talking about when he walked across that bridge with his son and got to that point and just took a picture of himself and his son and just kind of shared that Mm. and just kind of out out you know just the outpouring of love on that so you know, it's an interesting video um, that I'd encourage people to watch. And, you know, we just need to think about, you know, I mean, just this example of Jar Jar Binks. I, I did not, you know, care for his character on the movie, but but the reality of, and, you know, how this ties into social media, I mean, how much he's been mocked and made fun of. And this was a real human being who created in the image of God, has feelings. Um, it's just interesting for us to reflect on it and, and think about it and, you know, adds humanity to, um, you know, movie stars and characters on the screen that we just kind of don't think about sometimes. But um, yeah, because he's a because he's a digital character, yeah. because Jar Jar Binks, we think that we can just make fun of him whole cloth and forget that one someone came up with that character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was George Lucas or someone. So that's someone's idea, mm-hmm. a person, a real person's idea. Someone played him and someone voiced him. Turns out it's the same person. But, you know, it, two to three people were actively involved and worked hard to bring mm-hmm. that character to star Wars. And so when everyone mocks them, you're not just mocking this, you know, like disembodied, like digital creation, you're mocking the, and, and belittling the people who worked hard to make that happen too. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we can't be critical. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, but I think, I mean, I think it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I think the criticism of Jar Jar Banks went way beyond just oh, yeah. critical. Well, um, and actually, he gets into some some racial issues too, so it's it's something mm-hmm. interesting to to look at. Um, Kurt, hey, we need to wrap this one up. Uh, yeah, and and look, maybe R- racially racially, those Star Wars movies don't really hold up very yeah, well. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty tough. Movie. 
pretty tough look by yeah. George Lucas. But anyway. Yeah. Well, look, I'll, I'll uh, take us out since you did. Kurt, I've enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully those listening are enjoying this. Just a reminder to people, uh, reach out to us, whether that's if you know us personally and can text us or email. Um, we'll, we'll work on the whole Twitter handle or Facebook to, to talk to us and how, get us. How do we not have an email? Well, there we is. Need an email. Well, there is. I mean, look, we, we do put some things on Facebook. RYM does have a Facebook page. So share, share some things out there. Um, let us know some ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Um, thanks to those tuning in. We will look forward to uh, uh, our conversation next week. Have a good day, Kurt. Right. See you then, John.